Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Healing Life Wisdom. I'm Tiffany Windsor. On this episode, my guest and I will be talking about natural alternatives to prescription antibiotics. I'm delighted to welcome my sister, Candice Lichione. Hi, Candice. Hi, Tiffany. So glad to be with you as usual. Today we're going to talk about herbal antibiotics. And the following information about herbal antibiotics comes from the author Stephen Harold Bulner. He's the author of the book Herbal Antibiotics, and this information came from an article from the wonderful magazine The Herb Companion. Um, In my local book club, we recently read a book about the discovery of penicillin during World War II, and the information was fascinating to everybody in the whole book club, and they didn't seem to know much about penicillin or the history of it. The subject came up again at a recent book club meeting, and I realized that people don't know much about antibiotics at all, but do have the idea that they aren't as effective as they used to be. I thought this would be a great time to discuss this issue so everyone knows how all this works. Antibiotics came into great use in the 1950s and the 1960s, and the medical establishment felt that these new antibiotics would virtually eliminate infectious disease in our lives. In spite of that optimism of the time, by 1976, infectious disease was already on the rise. By 1997, it had become so bad that 3 million people a year in the United States were being admitted to hospitals with difficult-to-treat antibiotic-resistant bacterial infections. Many people came to the hospitals for other reasons but ended up catching an infection in the hospital. The number of people who die from hospital-acquired infections is more than 100,000 a year. That makes it the fourth leading cause of death in the United States. The period that was once called the age of miracle drugs is dead. New antibiotics have been discovered daily for years, and it seems that these drugs were the answer to the problem. As early as 1929, when Alexander Fleming, who discovered penicillin, warned that numerous bacteria were already resistant. In 1945, we were warned that improper use of penicillin would lead to the development of resistant bacteria. Then, just 14% of staph bacteria were resistant to penicillin. By 1953, 64 to 80% of the bacteria had become resistant. Resistance to tetracycline and erythromycin was also being reported. In 1995, an incredible 90% of staph was resistant to penicillin. The first severe outbreak of MRSA occurred in 1968, and eventually MRSA strains became resistant to all clinically available antibiotics except the glycopeptides emerged. Now, resistant strains are common throughout the world's population. What people don't realize is that all life on Earth is highly intelligent and adaptable. Bacteria are the oldest forms of life on Earth, and they have learned very well how to respond to threats to their well-being. The world is filled with antibacterial substances, most produced by other bacteria, as well as fungi and plants. To survive, bacteria learned how to respond to those substances. The bacteria in our bodies are friendly, mutualistic bacteria. They take up all the space on and in our bodies on which bacteria can grow. By doing so, they leave no room for other less benign bacteria to live. 
All of our co-evolutionary bacteria generate antibiotic substances that kill off other less friendly bacteria. Regular exposure to pathogenic bacteria as we grow teaches our bodies and the symbiotic bacteria how to respond to disease organisms. It is clear now that antibiotics aren't going to be used any less, and in fact, they're being used more. Humans as a species has never really been known for doing the sensible thing before it is too late. So we will stop using antibiotics only when they truly fail to work. I just wanted to point out that I put that information in there because most people think bacteria are the enemy and they spend all their time trying to kill them. So we're trying to educate you that there's really good bacteria in our bodies and it knows what to do so that we don't have to take all these um, antibiotics and kill all this bacteria. So we're really not understanding um, the role of bacteria in our lives. Right. I, I, I agree, and it's really important for us to understand what what our body systems can can do to help us right and they're they're tropical say they're trained they're they're you know we're made to to heal we're made to be healthy we are just doing everything we can to mess that all up right so we want to educate everyone to know that you know how your body works so um here is the herbal antibiotics that treat antibiotic resistant organisms there are three categories systemic antibacterial, localized antibacterial, and synergistic herbs. Systemic antibacterial are spread by the bloodstream through the body, affecting every cell and organ. These herbs are good for treating infections, such as MRSA, that have spread throughout the body and are not responding to multiple antibiotic protocols. The following herbs, except artemisia, are not herbs that we are familiar with in the U.S. Cryptoleptus. Um, is used to treat malaria in Africa. It's antibacterial and antiprotozoal. Sida is also known as um, broomweed. It's grown in Australia, Central America, and Mexico. Alcornia is a tropical tree from Africa. Biden's is um, considered a very nasty weed that could save your life. It's also known as shepherd's needles, and it's grown in the United States, Africa, and Asia. And the fifth one is artemisia, which we are all familiar with. It's also known as sweet wormwood. Um, the top four that we have not heard of, um, I think, are, are available. I think you can find them to buy, but they're not known to um, to anybody. I, I've never heard of the, those four, so I think so, that's really interesting. <laughs> right. So that this is very curious to me because that means these other countries are using these herbs to treat, but we're not using them in the U.S. Yes, unfortunately, European scientists do magnificent research, and um, in this country, none of their research is, is used. It's not considered good or usable. Wow. I don't, um, I don't know how that all works, but um, wow. the Europeans are very big on anything natural, herbs, homeopathic, essential oils. Um, they do all the research. They have all the research to back it up, but we here in the United States are not allowed to see that research. Wow, I I did not know that. Did not know that. Makes total sense, but I didn't know that. They're just very big on anything natural. And they don't go to the doctors the way we do. They do natural things. They would only go to the doctor as a last resort if they haven't been able to, to have, uh, heal it naturally. 
And I know from a friend whose husband worked for a very large pharmaceutical company that the pharmaceutical companies have bought most of the herbal companies, and those pharmaceutical companies sell the herbal. They have a whole division in Europe to sell herbs to the Europeans because that's the kind of um, medicine they're looking for. And um, wow, it's it's just that we are so um, dependent upon pharmaceuticals, and that's all we think that we can use. Right. But we can't. There was many more things to try. So it's just interesting that there's, you know, the top four herbs for, um, like MRSA, we're not using. Right. Amazing. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That's that's amazing. So Candace just talked about systemic. Uh, I want to talk about non-systemic herbs. Uh, are those that do not spread easily through the body and are limited in movement because they do not easily cross membranes, they're good for GI tract and urinary tracts and for external infections. These kinds of herbs are useful for infections such as E. coli, salmonella, or uh, cholera, or for infected skin wounds that refuse to heal. Now, they include American golden seal. I've heard of that one. Juniper. I've heard of a juniper plant. Haven't heard of it used in this case. Um, Usnea had not heard of that. And of course, honey, number four, honey. Uh, so many people don't realize all of the benefits of quality honey, uh, particularly Manuka. Yes, honey. We're going to do a whole thing on honey at some point to uh, educate people because I've had people in the shop recently that, you know, trying to stay away from sugar and they're staying away from fruit and honey. And those two things are so healing to our bodies. We need to understand it's not the same sugar. Right, and honey, you actually can put over wounds. It's so we'll oh, it's get into that more when we do that, that special um, podcast on honey. Yeah, um, of those herbs that we just mentioned, American Golden Seal is um, is very expensive because um, it was over harvested. So it it is being grown on farms now, and it's a fabulous herb. It is very expensive, but if you really, really need a really, really strong one. Um, it is available, and you just have to pay for it. Juniper, I believe, you know, juniper, don't they make gin out of juniper? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't drink, so I've never they, paid I attention. They, well, I think they do, but um, okay. it's an, another herb that we have and we carry in the shop. Usnea, um, I don't know offhand, the top of my head, the uses, but it's a wonderful, wonderful herb. And I do believe it's a big urinary tract herb. I have it in the shop. It's, I think it's a lichen that grows on, on um, I don't know, on rocks or trees or something. It's, yeah. it's um amazing and uh so these are wonderful herbs that are all available and um are very good for like they said the you know the gi tract the urinary tract um and who's not you know we hear it all the time about e coli and right. salmonella that's a very big problem at the moment right so just be aware that there are wonderful herbs for that and if you do get an e coli or salmonella which people have come to the shop and they've gotten extremely sick and the medications didn't work very well hmm. so now we have other things that they can try right so next we're going to go to facilitative or synergistic herbs, which are plants that facilitate the action of other plants. They either enhance the action of the antibacterial that's being used or affect the bacteria so that the antibacterial is much more effective. Most plants do contain both antibiotic substance and a potent synergist. The top three facilitative herbs are licorice, which we've talked about a lot lately, ginger, yeah. and black pepper. There are many, many herbs that have antibacterial actions. This is just a list of what this author suggests. If you're interested in other antibacterial herbs, 
do some research on your own. If you want more information, let us know, and we will do another segment on antibiotic herbs. Um, it's always interesting to me about these synergistic herbs because when I had first heard about it, I had heard about you always want to use black pepper with turmeric because it helps you to absorb it better. So that was a whole new area for me to to understand how these herbs work synergistically. And and here's something interesting. I went to my Chinese medicine friend this last week, and and um, he said uh, I I don't I had not been eating a lot of meat, and I I'm I'm actually supposed to with whatever my constitution is in my body and he says use more salt when you're eating your meat it's going to help you um, absorb the proteins better I had never heard of that and of course it's we're not talking table salt we're talking really good quality salt so there's many synergistic foods like that that I had no idea Um, I didn't either and even black pepper I've just heard recently with um, turmeric so um and everybody, you know, now says, you know, black pepper, you have to use that with turmeric. <laughs> so right. they and are being the, educated can, now. But. Right. And you actually buy the pills that have the turmeric uh, and black pepper in it. It's not like you mm-hmm. have to, like, sprinkle back black pepper on something. But, right. but right. I had heard that through a friend of mine who did um, alternative healing work many, many years ago. But it, So that's when I was first introduced to it. So there's lots of great ways to address your uh, the move from prescription antibiotics into um, herbal antibiotics. And I, you know, you need to talk to your doctor. We don't ever want to stop you from uh, trying to diagnose yourself. But there are ways when that you can choose herbals first. Take that first step with that and then uh, see how that works for you. So my go-to right. is colloidal silver. I have not taken prescription antibiotics since the 1980s, so because there's lots of, of ways to treat without having to go to a prescription. Absolutely. Most people want a prescription because they think they should get it, and even for things, they want a prescription for things that antibiotics don't even handle. So, you know, um, they're, they're used to having a prescription, and they want that quick quick fix. Um, just a note that most um, herbs are have many of uh, uh, things, but they're antibacterial, they're antimicrobial, they're antifungal. It goes, the list goes on and on of anti things that they work against. They're just marvelous, and there's so many different herbs. And if you go down and read an herb book, I mean, plant after plant is anti antibacterial, antimicrobial. Um, also, in the plant world, um, the plants make all kinds of things. They also in, talk to each other, and they mm-hmm. help each other in some cases. In other cases, they will actually make poison within their plant body. <laughs> <laughs> kill an enemy next to them. So plants right. are not what we think. They are so much alive. Um, I just heard something that trees sing. I did not know uh, that. I don't know I've how they decided that. that but right. So it's, it's just amazing. We have to take this whole world around us more and deep, deep. I don't know, deep knowledge and be more aware and that it's and all respect. There to help us. respect, deep respect, respect and honor. Right. Absolutely right. For, for what what they can offer us. And I, I don't remember if we get into this in just a moment, but I do want to remind everyone that there's good bacteria. You need the good bacteria in your gut. It's working to keep you healthy. So when you take your prescription antibiotics, they kill off everything, the good and the bad. So yeah. 
And people know that, but they don't understand that that's so important that you, your whole body runs on bacteria and good bacteria. And so you don't want to be killing everything. And then the herbs go and they go specific targets. They know somehow. And it's always weird to people because you can use the same herb for constipation that you use for diarrhea. The herb knows what it's doing when it goes. So um, there's just so much to learn. Right, there is. So let's talk a bit about essential oils for alternatives to antibiotics. It's quite likely that whether you visit your doctor for back pain, anxiety, or simply an ingrown toenail, you won't leave without a prescription of some kind, as we've just talked about. Cold and flu symptoms are among the most common reasons why people visit their doctors, and often antibiotics are the go-to remedy. Repeatedly taking antibiotics causes major problems. And as overuse of this type of medication, both in the healthcare setting and, interestingly enough, in the industrial agriculture, has resulted in increased resistance. So I want to talk about livestock, this, because this ties in with all of this. So as uh, Carrie Rome reported in The Atlantic, livestock consume up to 80% of the antibiotics used in the U.S., Listen to that, 80% of the antibiotics used in the United States. And the amount actually jumped by 16% between 2009 and 2012, according to a recent FDA report. This rampant use of the drugs has led to, we've all heard of this term, superbugs, that are becoming increasingly resistant to the antibiotics that are used to treat not just farm animals, but humans as well. Researchers have also directly compared the effects of a commonly used of commonly used antibiotics with those of various essential oils. One such study from the March 2012 issue, the Journal of Animal Science, found that rosemary and oregano oils resulted in the same amount of growth in chickens as the antibiotic avilomycin, and that the oils killed bacteria too. Additional findings have shown that essential oils help reduce salmonella in chickens, And another study found that the blend of several oils can limit the spread of salmonella among animals. One of the co-authors of that study, Dr. Charles Hoffaker, who's a professor at the University of Georgia's College of Veterinary Medicine, says it's such a new area of research that they don't yet know exactly how the essential oils work, but there's some very strong evidence that they are functioning by both an antibacterial action in the intestine and also some have an effect to stimulate the intestinal cells ability to recover from disease more quickly, either by local immunity or helping keep the intestinal cells themselves healthier. So think about this. So you're, you go to the doctor and you're prescribed an antibiotic, and what's the typical American diet? It's, it's heavy in, in proteins, and the, you're eating uh, th- these, um, these meats and poultry that have been heavily treated with antibiotics. So that's in that food that you're eating. How on earth does your body stay healthy? Because if we're supposed to treat certain disease with antibiotics on these short periods of time and you're eating this year-round, I don't even know how the body keeps up with that, Candace. I don't know how the human body survives what we do to it. It's it's just sad. And um, this is just another thing. Again, um, I wanted to say about organic versus, you know, organic and clean meat versus the the meat you see in the grocery store, that it's worth the extra money to buy organic and, or clean meat. And I know you know more about clean meat than I do. Um, <laughs> right. But 
Um, I don't well, know that people actually know about that. Right, and here's where I learned about it. I started eating some meats. You know, you go out to a restaurant, and then I started having all of these big sweats. You know, I was having hot flashes. <clears throat> and then, I don't know, started putting two and two together, and it's like if they're treating this meat with antibiotics and hormones because – I don't know if you've seen the chickens, like when a normal chicken grows for four months, what size it is, and those that are grown in these huge chicken farms, and how they're like three and four times their size because of the hormones that they feed them. They've got, they're trying to bring them to maturity much faster because they need more meat on their bones. And we're eating that. We're eating all of that junk. And so that's when I started researching. It's like something's not right. There's I'm eating this and I'm not feeling right. So that started me down the path of, you know, what is clean meat? What does that mean? You know, grass-fed beef that um you know, are free-range chickens, not just cage-free. Cage-free right. does not mean that they're on the ground and they're pecking at the ground and eating healthy. And the same thing with cows. They may call them grass-fed, but at the very end they put them into the feedlots to fatten them up for whatever, however many days they, they do that. So you, you need to, to research all of that to look for the right labels on your packaging. DrAxe.com, and that's AXE.com, is a great resource. when I, it, He's my go-to when I'm doing a lot of research for natural uh, ways of healing. He has a list of four antibacterial essential oils that he recommends. And you can find his page link on our blog post that gives you much more information than what we're going to talk about here in the next five minutes or so. So number one is cinnamon oil. Studies published in the Journal of Contemporary Dental Practice were conducted on the effectiveness of cinnamon oil against plankton E. bacillus, and that's in a root canal procedure. The results showed that the cinnamon essential oil eliminated bacterial growth after 7 and 14 days of procedure, making it a compatible natural option. Now, cinnamon oil is a hot oil, so there have to be certain ways that you would actually ingest it because it's so hot. You're going to have to, to – and I think we talk about that in just a moment. There's there's some ways that you can actually, as opposed to applying it on your skin when you ingest, you have to take special care. Um, number two, thyme oil is a great uh, antimicrobial. Studies were conducted at the University of Tennessee's Department of Food Science and Technology to evaluate its effect against bacteria found in milk and salmonella. Like with the cinnamon essential oil, droplets of thyme essential oil with the GRASS recognition, and that stands for generally recognized as safe, were placed on the bacteria. The results published in the International Journal of Food Microbiology indicate that the nanoemulsions could be great options for protecting our bodies from bacteria by using thyme oil as an antimicrobial preservative for food. Wouldn't this be a better choice than the usual chemical approach? Of course. I just also mentioned that thyme oil in my herbal training, um, they mention it as um, putting it into a laboratory uh, vessel and putting staph germs in it. It takes three minutes for thyme oil to kill staph germs. So it's a very, wow. very potent oil and very, very um, great. So it would be a wonderful antimicrobial. So um, just be aware that um, some oil, like thyme oil, is very, very strong and very, very powerful. And use it safely. Right. So, yes. So interestingly, but not yet surprisingly, bacterial resistance to standard antibiotics has become a big problem in the health industry. 
This has brought more attention to plants as possible alternatives to fight bad bacteria. Studies have shown that oregano oil and silver nanoparticles, also known as colloidal silver, have potent antibacterial activity against some drug-resistant bacterial strains. Results showed that both individual and combined treatments provided reduction in cell density, which gives way to antimicrobial activity through the disruption of cells. Overall, these results indicate that oregano essential oil can be an alternative in the control of infections. And we did talk about oregano oil before, how wonderful it is. And, right, and um, I recently used it on my face. It, it, nothing else worked, and this worked in a matter of 30 days. It was fabulous. Right. So. Tea tree oil. <laughs> right, definitely. Yeah. Tea tree oil is an amazing alternative to fighting bacteria topically. Research out of India showed that tea tree oil was effective against E. coli and staph infections when combined with eucalyptus, which I found interesting. One of Dr. Axe's recommendations for helping fight infections found in chest colds. These studies revealed that upon application, there was an immediate effect followed by a slow-released effect over a 24-hour period. This means that there is an initial cellular response at the moment of utilization, but the oils appear to continue working within the body, making it a great option as an antimicrobial as well. That's wonderful to know. I didn't know about it continuing working within the body, so that's right. great. Right. Um, Dr. Axia also recommends mixing one of these oils or a combination with one teaspoon of Manuka honey and or coconut oil and applying topically to the affected area. You can even combine one drop of each of oregano oil, cinnamon oil, and thyme oil with Manuka honey and take it as a tonic. Although we suggest that you ensure that you're fully educated about essential oils before ingesting them, especially if you have a medical condition or pregnant or breastfeeding. You know, all of these oils could be used uh, in your diffuser, and that's always a great way when you're trying to, um, you know, to keep, to, to, have them continue to be effective. But for me, teacher learning that it has an effect after a 24-hour period, that was definitely new. And so it, it means that you don't have to keep, like, applying it. It's still working, and that's good to know. That's really good to know because that's something I did not know, and I don't think most people understand how a diffuser would help you. But um, an essential oil that goes into your body. Right, right. Um, you're breathing it. Yeah. And it works right. differently than applying it to your skin, but it works equally well. So Right. You know, it's a little bit milder version, especially if you have animals yeah. and children and such. It's it's a way that you can get the benefits of it, and it's just um, milder, almost like this very calm, slow release, and right. it's it's beautiful. Ultimately, what's great about these oils is that they're more gentle on the gut lining, and we've talked about that. You need to keep that gut bacteria really healthy and can be used for short periods internally and longer externally, as long as your doctor approves and you don't have any negative reaction to them. Many of Dr. Axe's patients have great results against bacterial infections when working with a protocol that includes antibacterial essential oils, bone broth, which there's a lot of talk about bone broth these days and, and how healing it is, and of course probiotics. And I remember when I first heard about probiotics, must have been back in the 80s, and perhaps when I was 
last taking a prescription antibiotic and it's like take the antibiotic first, but you got to rebuild your gut bacteria back up after you're done with the, the antibiotics, so you need to take probiotics. In his post, uh, Dr. Axe has a recipe for antibacterial super tonic mix, which includes essential oils of oregano, ginger, peppermint, grapefruit, cinnamon, and thyme. And you can find that full recipe on our blog post uh, uh, for today's podcast. So, Candace. A lot of information (laughs) for everyone. (laughs) It, It is. And, again, we're always wanting to let you know that there are options and uh, become educated to this and so that you can learn how to make the right choices for you. And I think some doctors may or may know about some of these and may or may not support some of these alternatives. So you're going to have to make some decisions. But you, there, are, there are decisions that you can make um, in some of these milder cases that there are alternatives that will help supporting you help support you on your healing right now. Right, and if you start t- taking the natural first when it first starts, it may not get to the point that you need you would have to go for the prescriptions because it wouldn't have built up right. to the point where right. it it was overwhelming to your body. So um, this is just so inf- so important that everyone learns about the antibiotics because there is lots of talk about it, but people generally aren't taking it seriously. They, you know, my doctor's still giving them, so it's okay. <laughs> Right. But it's going to be a big issue in the future because the, the, the doctors know, too, at some point it's, it's not working. and It's already not working, but it hasn't gotten to the point where it's not usable, but it is um, close. So we need to know that there's alternatives and we can do more and we can take control of our health by looking into the natural remedies. Right. And honestly, start with cleaning out your food choices because... Your body needs to be supported that way. I don't, you'll become more resistant to these things just naturally without even having to grab for any sort of herbs and, and essential oils because your body will be healthier when you eliminate all of the chemicals that you're eating and all the junk that's going into your body. That's very, very important, the food thing we keep talking about. And so eventually we may get somebody to listen. <laughs> well, they are. They are little by little. They are. very um, encouraged. Yeah. Somebody at the shop this week, um, you know, has has had a diagnosis of many things, but her doctors kind of said, you know, this is all we can do for you, and please go look at alternative things and and stop eating sugar. Um, well, I love it when a doctor says that's all I can do. <laughs> because yeah, oh, I do too. That tells open. me, right? right. So she's um, got lupus, uh, or she's been diagnosed with lupus, which is not a disease; it's a it's a bunch of symptoms, and the doctor said, this is, you know, we've given you the medicine we have. We've done everything we can. Now you have to go do what you have to do. And mainly for her, it's huge, huge cleanup of her body as far as food. She is a total sugar addict, and it's it's, it's killing her. Right. And she actually had a, a diagnosis this week of fatty liver, and the doctor told her, if you do not clean up your act and lose weight, because she's very heavy, to um, to know that in the future she will probably have to have a liver transplant. Oh, my gosh. And I said, I hope that's a, a, a wake-up call. And she says, well, yeah, but I'm already trying to do really well. I said, well, it's not working because you, you're not understanding that you can't eat the things you're eating. You and may she's eat a few young. vegetables here, and then you're eating something awful. Right, <laughs> right. and she's young. And so she's young. what is yes. our youth uh, 
what is our youth going to face? Because I do find a lot of this is so cumulative, and it may take you 40 years to get there to where it becomes acute. And But but let's work on it now so you yeah, don't have to. And I don't think to. it's taken that many years anymore. I think the, the diet no, has gotten so true. bad that where it yeah. used to take us years and years to get to this point, they're, uh, the young ones are having horrible health issues. So it's uh, really, well, really important. We want to be here to help and educate. Yes, we do. Candace, thank you so much for joining me this week, and I look forward to more interesting discussion next Sunday night. Yes, we have some wonderful new topics coming up in the future, so make sure you join us. (laughs) Have a great week. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. For more information, I invite you to go to HealingLifeWisdom.com. Click on Blog Archives, and you can find the post that Candace and I wrote on today's topics. And check out the links to the Healing Life Wisdom On Demand podcast, just like this one. Also, follow us on Twitter at HealingLife444 or Facebook at Healing Life Wisdom. And keep this discussion going by sharing our links with your friends and family. It's so important that we all share on our path to wellness. I'm Tiffany Windsor, and this is Healing Life Wisdom. Have a fabulous, uplifting, and healthy week. Thanks for listening.